0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Mistress Bubble. My name is Francisco, and I have with me best co-hosts in the business, Spider Space in Ever Rose. That is Gabe and Evan. So they don't get upset that I don't call them by their actual names. How are you guys doing?
1: I would have gotten upset. For the record,
2: <laughs> he likes his human name now.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm pretty <laughs> happy. I you just put me as number two. I think it's always been Evan first. So I like. Evans down in the ranking. I'm up. You heard it here first, folks.
1: <laughs> I'll take it. I'm fine with it.
0: <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow. Um, this is this is getting personal way too quickly. I don't know how to how to react to this. Uh, oh yeah, let's change the subject. Let's talk magic, folks. So <laughs> um, we have had. Um, a couple of events and a couple of uh, weeks of people working their ways through the Kamigawa cards. There's a lot of Kamigawa cards that have a lot of texts, so a lot of them uh, are seeing play. Some of them are not seeing so much play. So we thought it would be fun for uh, in this week's episode to kind of go over the new archetypes that have been popping up, the new cards that people have been trying... And then compare that to the top 10 list that we did uh, last week so that we can you know, talk about the cars that we straight up missed, we can talk about the cars that we um, overvalued, cars that we undervalued, and then the cars that we actually nailed, which is probably where we're going to be starting because it's going to be the easiest ones uh, to, to talk about, right? So... <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, modern is it, it has been really, really interesting and the, the brewing potential is definitely there. Uh, it feels like as long as you have a plan for uh, Grix's shadow and like all of the, the the fun police decks of the format, uh, you can uh, kind of play whatever you want and a lot of decks have been ex- have been doing exactly that and finding some some success. Uh, one thing that I think it's the probably like the biggest story from the past couple of weeks, is uh, the resurgence of of, of Affinity. Like Affinity has basically, you know, when when Moxopo was banned, the deck was absolutely destroyed and uh, it disappeared from the format entirely. And uh, with the printings that we've been seeing from, in the past, from MH2 with Thought Monitor, you know, everybody, with Thought Monitor and Nettlesist, people kind of started to explore the archetype once again, but it just, it quite wasn't there you know, like it just wasn't there, like there were some missing pieces, and then this set brought, um, well, it brought Moxopol at home, so uh, (laughs) in Moonsnare, Moonsnare prototype, uh, which we actually uh, put as number five in our list, but it, it kind of feels like we may have undervalued the card because uh, I feel like the impact of the card has been a lot more than we originally expected. Uh, Spider, you've, you've been messing around with a bunch of affinity deck lists. How has how the deck felt for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this card is the most, like, I'm going to revive an archetype kind of card or make an archetype. Like the other ones all, you know, maybe play a role somewhere, you try to figure it out, or maybe we haven't found their home yet. Like, obviously, like, the lands are great, but it's not like the lands make a new deck, right? And Affinity's just been gone for so long, so it's cool seeing that, you know, artifact-centric deck. I think that the aggro builds of the deck aren't really where you want to be. As far as I'm concerned, the best builds of Affinity now are these kind of mid-range piles with your Urzas and, you know, all of your draw twos, you know, the... Dubbed eight cast, I had somebody call it Spider Cast because you just had four drum, four snares. It's like you know all the eights, and I, and I was playing <laughs> it and it made me very happy. So I'm just gonna keep calling it that, even <laughs> though no one else will. Uh, <laughs> but I think the deck's pretty good. Um, it's capable of going over most mid range decks in modern. Um, certainly, you you do lose to certain things. Like I, I think it has a pretty bad amulet matchup, for instance. Um but the deck is certainly powerful. It still has that like kind of fall in its face affinity problem where you're just like, ooh, I drew a bunch of Mem Knights and nothing happened and I'm dead. Or uh, you know, equally, sometimes your opponent has really good hate for you. So you're like playing a good mid-range strategy that also can just have your opponent play a card that blows up all of your permanents just like, why not Shatterstorm me? Go ahead. Um, <laughs> th- those feel real bad. <laughs> but I, I think the deck overall certainly has potential. Um, you have these crazy explosive starts. I, I put a couple screenshots on Twitter of like turn to Urza with an Urza saga in play. And it's like, you're, you're just not beating that. You're, you're dead. Like I played against Blue, Red, and Merktide with that start. And it was like, yeah, the game's over. We're, we're done here. <laughs> um, Which felt really good. I think it's generally good against those kind of like the Merktide slash DRC style decks, like GDS and and Blue and Merktide. I was liking it in those matchups most of the time. You know, sometimes they just like EEU and that's it. But um, (laughs) I do have some opinions on like what the quote unquote you know like the 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 best build is. Um, I don't don't think people quite agree. I know uh, Aspiring Spike really likes the like mono blue ones, and um, you know he's playing stuff like. Phyrexian Dreadnought, which I I'm not. It's not
0: Phyrexian Dreadnought, it's Consulate Dreadnought. It's
2: Phyrexian Dreadnought at home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the one, one 12, 12. Trample that makes you sack 12 power um, Right So, not not the same uh, But, yeah, no, I wanted to uh, I wanted, If you could go real quick over the different builds of the deck Because I feel like there's multiple different builds that are, are showing up Some of them are just mono blue, as you were saying Some of them are colorless Some of them are blue-white And I've even seen some of them being like blue-red It feels like blue is the color that is almost always there uh, which makes sense considering the fact that you know we're talking about uh, Moonstar Prototype being the card that reinvigorated the archetype in the f- in the first place, and you kind of have to cast it. So, um, how 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 uh, much have you played with the different versions? Like, which which do you think are the uh, the pros and cons of the different versions? You know, that that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. So I I think generally having an extra drum like effect, which is what this is doing, um, it lets you skip on mana, which in my opinion, is why I would want to play like one of the mid-range piles because you get to play stuff like Urza ahead of schedule, right? Um, You can try these aggro builds like colorless. I've seen some people trying to play like Machiko, um, stuff like that. Those builds are okay. I think you end up running out of gas because you have a lot more sort of do-nothing cards. Like you play those builds and then you don't get to five mana to be able to channel the Moon Snare, but you also don't really have much to do outside of like the affinity four fours or like you know obviously urza saga is a hell of a card but it's my opinion that those like aggro builds aren't really where you want to be i'm pretty into the mid-range stuff um but you have people doing it all sorts of different ways you have some people who are like still play the full eight cast some people don't some people play urza some people play emery um i'm a big fan of nettle in those decks i think that card is has been really good it's like one of your threats that doesn't just get dressed down and and lose, um, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I like the Urza ones. I am a fan of splashing white for Esper Sentinel because I'm pretty sure that's just the best artifact in Modern. Um, and it also just happens to cost one for your deck, which is really good. Um, I know other folks like Spike aren't on that. They think the mana is too bad. Um, basically, the trade off is you have to play no like Darksteel Citadel kind of cards. You just don't play those in the blue-white one. Whereas the Mono Blue does get to play some of those, so you get you lose like a little tiny bit of explosivity and, and, and trade it off for just an extremely good card um, in in Esper Sentinel.
0: Will you be? Will you also be willing to play the uh, the blue-white dual and the the artifact dual lane that is, or you you think that you're not even supposed to to run that?
2: No, I think having a tapped land is, is, is really bad. Um, you're you're looking to spend your mana every turn. so Because you, you, you have four Drum and four Moonsnare at the very least on one. You're also adding Esper Sentinel as an additional one drop. Um, and then you have your various like Saga tutor targets that you're wanting to grab. Um, so you, you're not really having these same kind of spots where you just like, oh, whatever, I'll just like play a tapped land. Um, I, I think just having the cleaner mana is way better than like oh you know maybe i get to have an extra you know cheaty artifact count in there
0: yeah yeah it feels like every every version of the deck is kind of trying to to attack on a slightly different axis or like through with different um how can i say like has a, a different advantage over over the other ones um and, for example, let's talk about the colorless version, which I think is the most hilarious one of them all, because it makes use of a card that we completely missed when we were talking about impactful cards. Like, I honestly didn't even read this card. Like, I just read it, and I'm like, this is unplayable, moving on. But it turns out that it's kind of surprisingly good in a weird way. So, this is Mech Hanger, and it's a land that taps for a colorless, and then you can tap it to add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast a pilot or vehicle spell. That's not the, the relevant part of this. The relevant part of this is that you can pay three and tap it, and you can uh, basically you can crew a vehicle for free. So your land can crew your vehicle. Now all of a sudden the uh, the uh, I'm saying Pyerson pi- de- Dreadnought now, the Consulate Dreadnought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, you can turn the, it into a 7-Eleven, and you can just you know go buy some snacks uh, with your with your little guy, which is uh, which is pretty good. Uh, so, no, the, the joke didn't didn't I, come across. I,
2: I got what you were going with it, but I, I'm just like <laughs> such a non-believer in the card that I was just like, nope, <laughs> nope, I'm I'm, I'm I'm going straight. Wow. You know, I'm not stopping at the gas station. We're we're going big for Urza, right? Like a, <laughs> not gonna put some you know dark steel relic in my deck that maybe you know i i don't know it just seems like a lot of work to to make this thing into a, a body like do i really want to spend my mana on that because finity has a lot of ways to spend mana man like you're 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 activating urza saga you're equipping your nettle cyst or if you're still on cranial plating you're activating urza you're playing Thoughtcast. like you just there's always something to do and i get you know it's the colorless builds so you're maybe not doing some of that um, big big meh for me
0: no that's that's fair honestly um i i do agree with the part that you know you want more one drops but your philosophy of instead of playing this i can just play esper sentinel instead uh, like it's it's pretty easy to sell <laughs> let me put <laughs> let me put it like that <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty easy to to just buy that <laughs> what you're selling right there um so that that would be the coldest version there, which is uh, significantly more aggressive because it does it just doesn't have access to the blue cards and it doesn't have as much staying power, right? So, um, what what are the other versions like? Like what what are the difference between between the two of them, or like the other versions that you've tried?
2: So, well, I mean, I, there's something kind of in that same ballpark that is a little bit even more different, and I, I did try playing like a Urza. Thopter combo style list, which felt okay. Mm. And I actually think Moonsnare is also quite good in that deck, but for a little bit of a different reason. Um, so those decks you're not gonna play for Memnite, for ornithopter You're just you're not interested in the like zero mana artifacts in that sense. Um, you're playing much more of a traditional kind of mid-range thing. But where Moonsnare is nice in that deck is it does still ramp you without needing to play the zero drop. So you get to play your portable hole or, you know, whatever other artifact you're going to play anyway. And then it just now makes mana because of this thing. So I, I do think that card plays a role in those decks as well, which is pretty nice. I, I mess around a good bit with that. Um, I think that deck is now okay. I think it's probably worse overall. Um, I will say, you know, the, the channel actually does come up and... It's kind of wild because I know I was, I was playing some match and I think like my opponent played it in Snaring Bridge and I was like, oh no, like I have zero main deck answers to this. And then I drew Moonsnare Prototype and I was like, just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Call an ambulance, but not for me kind of
2: <laughs> exactly <kinda deal. laughs>
0: Yeah. And then there, there's another card, which I feel like maybe we undervalued it a little bit, which uh, would be um, Reality Heist. Have you tried this card?
2: Oh, so I have, <laughs> I have some real opinions on this one. Uh, so I think Reality Heist, at least in the builds that I was trying, is by and large worse than your Thought Cast effects. The reason I think this is your payoff cards are Urza and Urza Saga as the two biggest ones. The other ones are your your thoughtcasts, right? So you're presumably trimming on some of your thoughtcasts for it, meaning you have less of those to hit off of it. So really, your only payoff at that point becomes Nettlesist, as the card it can hit. So I I think those decks really aren't interested in it. And when I was trying to fit it into Wyrr, like Jeskai, like Urza, Thopter combo stuff, um, I ended up just wanting Wyrr instead, because it just just got the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I really... I'm not impressed with the card or the idea of the card. I I think that that doesn't mean that the card can't be good. I think it's just not in those lists, but I have a hard time figuring out like, where do you want this? Because if you're paying blue, blue, then like presumably I'm on like an Urza kind of list. So it doesn't really fit in those like colorless shells. Um, So I I don't know. I, I kind of am not seeing the power of the card.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Okay. So yeah, definitely like a little bit of a, of a deep dive on the, on the, on what, what I think it's the main archetype that has come out of, of, of Neon Dynasty. Like I feel like I'm playing against Affinity all the time and obviously as the Amulet gamer, I'm ecstatic, right? Like <laughs> that, that matchup is, is very, very good. Uh, so I'm not too, I'm not too upset about that, but um, I, I've been surprised by it as well. Like I've been, I've seen it outgrind Lurus, and you just don't do that, right? Like, there, there's not that many decks that can really outgrind lures, but it turns out with when your deck is a bunch of card advantage spells, because that's what it is now, um, you are paying a, a price in playing, you know, the Ornithopters and the Memnites, but, like, after those cards, like, all of your deck is is just like lands and card advantage spells. And even your lands are card advantage spells because of Urza Saga. So um it I was very impressed by the deck. And it also looked like it's a lot of fun, which I feel like it's something that <laughs> it's it's kind of important in, in, in today's in today's modern. So I I have to say I'm a believer. I think that we have not yet found the definitive the definitive affinity. That's fu- that's fun to say fast. Definitive affinity list. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to see where whether this archetype goes uh, moving forward, like whether we want something like you know experimental synthesizer or like whether there's a way to to. to you know, build that into the deck or whether that's, you know, something that it's not even supposed to work here, whether you want to be playing Stoneforge Mystic or not. Um, those are those are all very interesting questions that I feel like they have not yet been answered. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty stoked about where this archetype is going to be moving forward.
2: Yeah, me, me too. I, I, I do think it is a reasonable deck now. I, I wouldn't expect to see it at like tier one, you know, top of the tables all the time sort of thing. Um, both because it can be hated out and you know sometimes the deck falls flat on its face i know i tried it in a prelim and as you're saying you know played against amulet just got stomped it's like game one's bad game two's worse because then they bring in four force of vigor because everyone's Mm -hmm. ready for hammer stuff and then you know i played then a good matchup in Crix's death shadow but had a mulligan to five both games because my deck just didn't want to function um so you know like you have a very high ceiling in your turn two urzas but your floor is also very low um you know you, you might just land ornithopter ornithopter do nothing um so <laughs> I, I don't know what the deck needs uh to to help like smooth that out i'm not i'm not sure but it's it's close so definitely be on the lookout for you know any any cool artifact tools
0: yeah for sure and uh, this being an artifact-based set, actually artifact and enchantment-based set, really, um, we actually have a bunch of other artifact decks that have been popping up. Uh, for example, one that we entirely missed is Scales. Like Scales actually got a very, very interesting tool that we <clears throat> we didn't really cover here in the uh, when we did our search review, and that card is Patchwork Automaton. This is a 2-drop Artifact Creature Construct, it's a 1-1, and it has Ward 2. Ward, of course, means that uh, you know, killing this costs you 2 mana, or targeting this with anything costs you 2 extra mana. And it says, whenever you cast an Artifact spell, you put a plus on counter on Patchwork Automaton. So, I completely overlooked this card while going over the set review, but I, I actually saw it in action, and this thing gets out of hand so quickly. Like, it's really, really impressive. Uh, particularly, like, if you go turn one scales, turn two patchwork automaton, like, your opponent literally cannot kill it. I guess they, they can two for one themselves with a the solitude and, and, like, time walk themselves because they have to pay the two. But War of the Two is a huge, huge deal. And in the past, scales has kind of struggled a little bit with this, which is when your opponent's ready with their with their removal. You are a deck that sort of needs to navigate removal in a very tricky way. You know, you you, you very often are, are in a situation where you need to like go all in on like a Ningmouth Nexus, or like go all in on like a you know, some sort of creature, and then your opponent has a removal spell, then you sack your entire board to Ravager in order to make that creature lethal, and well, that, that's it, that's game. Like I can't do anything anymore. Um But I would feel a lot more comfortable going all in in Patchwork Automaton, particularly in knowing what pe- the removal the people are playing right now, right? Like, for example, the cards that would get this would be bounce spells. So, the Fairy Time Raveler comes to mind. Um, those are the kind of cards that, you know, you pile a bunch of counters on a, on a, on a creature, and, you know, the easiest way to answer it is through something like this. Uh, obviously, like Lightning Bolt, if you go all in on this, it's not going to tag it. Um, and Holy Heat doesn't really do it either. Like once you get this to a seven-seven, that that's it. Uh, you're not really touching this. And like double spelling this doesn't work either. So like you need to have Solitude, or that's it. That's really it. Like we, you don't really have that many options to kill to kill this creature. So it really gives scales. Um, a threat that they, they can, you know, use to pu- push their, their game plan through and like to start attacking and something that they can go in go all in uh, fairly early in the game. And then, you know, like you can suit it up with a shadow spear or something and you can trample through anything that your opponent can, can have. And <clears throat> I have to say that I've been really, really impressed uh, with the card. Also, the fact that obviously it works with plus one to some counters and you're playing the osolith as well is is kind of a big deal. Like it just naturally synergizes with what you're already trying to do. And it's the only issue that I feel like it's kind of a little bit awkward is the fact that it's yet another two drop. And one of the. when, When I tried the deck, one of the main issues that I had with it is that it can be really clunky because you're playing. A bunch of two drops. Like all of your threats are two drops. Ballista is a two drop. Like Ravager is a two drop. A Hangerback Walker is a two drop. So having yet one more two drop to add to the list. I don't know if if you know how many of these you can really play. But like I would not be surprised if this just becomes like a, maybe a sideboard card or something like that. Like if you get put against Rix's Shadow and they can have all the kill against commands that they want. Like they're not going to beat this thing using that, you know? Like that's 5 mana, you're so dead by the time that you have 5 mana um, to to this thing. So it it it's really interesting how this innocuous and common just randomly found a home so quickly. <laughs> I, I was I was not really expecting it.
2: Yeah, absolutely it it looks quite good i mean i i played against it and they did exactly what you're saying of turn one scales turn two it and i was being attacked by a five five on turn three that i could not target and that like that that's really real like if you're trying to point spot removal at this thing i think i was like trying to play creativity and i was like well i'm just like am i really gonna try to get to four mana to ending this thing like I'm going to just be hit by five and then seven or nine. And you know, like they didn't even have to go all in on it. It was like turn three. I think they played ravager and some one drop. I don't know. You know, it could, could have been anything and they don't even have to sacrifice anything. It's just like, yep, here, here's the five, five. But
1: be- between this deck and, in affinity, I like, I, I just think artifacts are, artifact strategies are just like a much bigger presence right now. So I've, I've been respecting them a lot more on my sideboards. Um, i have found which is like really nice against this specific card we're talking about i've actually been wherever i can play it i have been playing shatterstorm Ugh. uh dude it's so good it even and like you do it and they like can't do it especially against scales because like there one card that sucks with it is the is Hangerback, right but like other than Hangerback, the fact that it doesn't care about welding jars it uh it kills the Ozolith, which is one of their like big protection things against their their shit being answered you know it's like it, it it's been really good like shatterstorm i know i spider and i have a very bad history with shatterstorm <laughs> just kidding it demolished my shatterstorm in the past but um but the card's been like really good like hanger back's like the only problem but this thing having ward you know welding jars being all over the place and all this just like a wrath of god for artifacts has been really good um so yeah i've just been i've been doing that you know my white decks i've been playing more like stony effects and everything and it's been worth it like there are enough artifact decks running around right now in modern with all of these new additions that i think it's like it's very much worth playing artifact hate again um and and this is this is a reason to kind of think about what artifact hate you're playing like maybe a braid's not the move right now you know
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, i always, I feel like the card obviously that gets the biggest, uh, the biggest buff is, you know, force of Vigor. Like that, that card is obviously completely messed up.
1: That, that and Wear Tear. They're both really good.
0: I mean, one thing that's also interesting is the fact that, you know, Boseju has been printed and like Boseju is a card that we absolutely nailed. Like the card is everywhere. Like everybody's playing and you uh, feel like everybody's doing the stuff that we talked about as well, where Even, for example, the Yorion decks are playing like maybe one or two copies of the Seiju, but they're playing them as extra lands, I guess. So it's not like. They're counting them as spells that tap for lands. Like, before these, these decks used to play, like, 27 or 28 lands, which, honestly, I think is ridiculously low count, uh, but I guess it works because red and six is a busted card. And now they're going up to, like, 29 or 30 and adding a couple of uh, Boseiju and Sokensan, which is the the red one. So, like, this, these cards are obviously just stellar. Like, th- these cards are absolutely fantastic. And... Um, Boseju kind of answers all of these artifact uh, problems as well in a very very efficient uh, manner obviously you're giving your opponent land which is just not free but it's like it's pretty nice that you kind of have a little bit of um what should i say like a little bit of a cushion in your in your mana base itself which has been has has proven to be super super useful um, and I for whatever reason I didn't really think about the fact that Boseju doesn't say no creature. So, like, obviously, you can kill Dryads with this, you can kill Patchwork and Tomatons and Ravagers, and obviously you can kill, you know, Ink Moth Nexus and stuff. Like, the more that I read Boseju, the more I'm like, yeah, this, this card's just... <laughs> it's actually better uh, than than I thought it would be, which is uh, pretty wild to say. And uh, I guess that we, c- we can probably spend, like, a little, little minute here talking about that card in particular, like, I feel like everything that we said sort of became true with the only exception that Tron is nowhere to be seen. Like <laughs> we, we thought it was going to be good on Tron. Apparently it's better against Tron than it is good for Tron. So we haven't really seen that much uh, Tron lately. At least I haven't, I haven't seen a Tron deck in, I mean, since, since, uh, Neon Dynasty dropped.
1: So... I have had a different experience. <laughs> yeah. I have seen a lot of Tron actually, and Basage has been sick, so <laughs> I I've, I've had my spreading seas, my blood moon. No, I I have had a very different experience.
0: Oh really? Well, t- tell tell us about it then. <laughs>
1: that that's it. <laughs> like it's it's been as good as I thought. I've had them. I've had them Sylvans crying and and expedition map for their Basage You to kill my hate for Tron, and just like I thought that was gonna happen and. Yeah, no, it's it's it has been good in Tron. Um I have not been playing any decks playing Baseju, so I can't speak of like how good it's been against these decks, but I I, I have had my stuff blown up by Baseju. I uh my personal favorite
2: Baseju moment against Tron was I Alpine Mooned one of their three Tron lands, <laughs> and they just end of turn used the green mana from Alpine Moon to pay for baseju to yep. pop alpine moon and that that that, that was soul crushing that was just like oh oh yeah i helped <laughs> you <did> I? <laughs> I will say i've been impressed with these cards a lot in in rhinos i i, I think that deck kind of what you're saying with control where they just like they just play more lands now which they wanted anyway to just make sure they hit that three mana on three and then it's just also like, oh, by the way, I now have two Basejus and two Odawarus. And I they also just don't need to play the um, evoke destroy artifact or enchantment guy anymore because you just cover that naturally. I think they're still playing a bunch of Force of Vigors because when you want dedicated hate for artifact enchantments, that's your that's your card. But, you know, um, I think that probably helps rhinos also against like hammer stuff just naturally. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's just one of these cards that's like, it's innocuous, because it's like, oh yeah, whatever, I just added a couple to my deck, and then all of a sudden you get just free percentage points all over the place. I
0: I was, this actually happened on stream the other day, like I was playing against Murktide. Historically an awful matchup, like, close to unwinnable. Like, really, really bad. And then what happened is, uh, they Bloodmaned me on turn 3, and they Bloodmaned me on turn 4. And I'm just sitting there, like. Uh, fortunately, I was able to like, flash in an endurance, and I was able to keep keep their stuff back. And I have a Osage sitting in my hand, but I don't have mana, so I drew a basic force. And I'm like, okay, maybe we have a game plan here. I drew a second vassager, and I'm like, okay, we really have a game plan here. And I'm just like sitting there, and I'm just playing my bounce land, which I don't have to bounce a land to to, to you know. I'm just using their blood moon as ramp. I play another bounce land, and then on, like, four or five turns later, I end of turn, bossage you one of their moons, they get a land, I untap, I bossage you the other one of their moons, I play my Cavern of Souls, play an Encounterable Titan on, on, this, on the very same turn, and then win, like, on the next turn. It was...
1: Gross. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate you. It's just so frustrating. Dude, it's so frustrating. As somebody that is, like, playing a lot of Blood Moon plus Counterspell decks, it's so frustrating. This uncounterable way to get It's so frustrating.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that that's an interesting phenomenon that started happening, which is I started all of a sudden seeing more Magus of the Moon happen on, on, on Modern, which I'm like... Uh What is this nonsense? Uh, But it makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, Like, all of a sudden, you have all of these decks that would scoop to Blood Moon in the past. They don't care about Blood Moon anymore. But, like, you can't kill the Magus with a Basager. So, like, all of a sudden, you are now, you know, you have this silly tutu, which, under most circumstances, against most decks, would be a downside. But actually, against the decks, you want the effect uh, against... It's it's just like strict upside. You you even get to you know <laughs> start swinging at them for two a turn. Um, so uh, as the Amulet player, I started to need to go back to playing Dismembers. But you know now members is something that the you know it can get counterspelled. So like it, it's it's a big big uh, change. So um, it's it's interesting how all of these things are happening. You know like Poseidou is like forty tickets of Magic Online, uh, but it's not like people. I don't feel like people are just out of out of the game, you know? Like, you, you can still make some changes here and there, and you can regain uh, some of those percentage points, uh, which uh, it's it, it's pretty interesting, and I mean, that's the beauty about Modern, right? Like, we're talking about Affinity, it's just like, all of a sudden a lot of people start playing a, a, a Affinity, and the deck is great, but you can just start to respect the deck, and you can bring your sideboard hate, and all of a sudden, you, you can turn the tables on them. So... It it felt so like a natural evolution that I feel like happened almost immediately, which I was like, damn it, I couldn't even, I couldn't even savor this, for long enough, and people are already just <laughs> making making the, the necessary changes.
2: It's amazing to me. You're, you're talking about like leveling people. You're like, you know, they, they so I can. Kill Blood Moon, so they play Magus, so I play Dismember. And it was like I did the same thing with Affinity, I did the exact same shit. Like I got Shattering Storm, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fit some of these counter spells in. There. I'm gonna play Metallic Rebuke next game. Play against Blue Red and Burktide, They go to play Shatter Storm. I rebuked it. I won nice. the game. Like it's, it's like it's exactly what you're saying. It's like oh, how do I how do I keep next leveling the competition to stay yeah. on top?
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I feel like these are these are the. These are the the ones that we, unsurprisingly, nailed. Like we anticipated, the, the lands to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Boseju and Sockinson have been the ones that have been the most impressive to me. But Evan, you, you have you've had a lot of experience with Odawara. How how you felt about the the blue channel land?
1: It's good. Like it's 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 very solid in blue white. Um, I've been playing it in Murktide here and there, and I'm not a hundred percent sold on that yet. I like, I think it's worth the slot, but mo- most blue decks, the, the first one's just like pretty free. Um, it's been a it, it, it's it's just been fine playing it. Um, I've been blown out by it more than I have done blowing outs with it. Uh, there was uh, my my biggest blowout yet was was playing creativity. Having three mana Teferi in play on my turn, playing against blue-white control, Teferi's upticked, and on their end step, I go to creativity, and they odawar my token that I thought was super safe to do it, and th- this was, like, this was, like, right after Kamigawa came out, and it was just, like, oh, ah! <laughs> like, I was, like, so sure I was gonna win, and I just took the wind out of me with that with that Odawara, uh, so it does do some cool stuff, you know, like, it, it, the biggest thing is, like, that card interacted with Teferi is just really interesting. Um, yeah, no, it's good. It's solid. It's, like, a nice tool to have access to. I don't think it's, like, insane, you know? You're not really playing more than one of them, and there is an argument of, like, you know, do you want to play this in certain decks? Like I said, with Murktide, I'm kind of on the fence about it, because it, you know, depending on what land you cut, if you're cutting, you know, some people are playing Fiery Island, you played over that, or you played over the third island, or you know, it all depends on what your build looks like, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been solid.
0: The, the one that I feel like has been underperforming or at least not seen as much play as I expected it to see is a, a Ganjo, the the white one. I was expecting this one to be, like, just, like, a show-in. Like, Hammer is going to play for copies. Like, every single white deck is going to just jam for copies. We may even see... Uh, four copies, sorry, like, two copies, I meant. Um... Like even we may see like it was a one-off in control and it it hasn't really picked up, picked up as much. I don't know if it's people being shy about it or whether the effect is just not powerful enough. Um, have you have you guys even seen the card
2: or played with it? It's a little bit around. I had a really weird match against Hammer. Um, I was playing like a Ragavan Thoughtseize deck and I, I thought to use them and I saw Igonjo in their hand and they had mana for it. And I was going to attack with Ragavan. And I was like, well, I guess I'm <laughs> never doing that until they don't have the mana up. Um, so I, I think it's reasonable there. You know, they probably play the first copy, similar kind of thing. Like what Evan was saying about the, the blue base decks, just wanting one. And then otherwise just kind of like, Hey, like I'll have some corner cases where this is relevant. Um, I've actually gotten to do some some kind of gross things with it, like, uh, you know, you go to combat and you have it in your hand and you're, like, attacking with stuff you wouldn't be attacking with otherwise, and they, like, you know, they go to block and all of a sudden you're, you're trading just things that normally you wouldn't be trading for, um, so that's pretty nice. I, I got to, like, my opponent tried to flash in a endurance to block my, um, what was I attacking with? I don't know, it was, it was probably a Athali or something, just like some small creature, and then it was like, oh, kill your thing, like, nope, no endurance mm-hmm. for you, um, so, it, you know, it comes up.
0: Okay, so you, you think that it, maybe I am the one that's, <laughs> that's overvaluing it, um, but um, yeah, the, the other ones have not really seen that much play, I, I don't think, but that's mostly because I don't know how many black decks there are in the format, like... We have Grixis Shadow and Grixis Shadow can't really afford to play this because you know like your entire deck revolves around having control of your life total and you need the Fet Shocks, so so you just don't have room for them. Like that's that's just almost it's almost written uh, to, to say it somehow. And then like the the black red decks, maybe. Like the black red uh, Lurus decks that we've seen in the past, or Jan Saga, but Jan Saga, it's going to always prioritize playing something like Boseju or Son because like those effects are just so good with Ren and six, and they just work, uh, kind of, they just work kind of smoothly uh, with Ren. So, it kind of feels like um th- this one is sort of lacking at home.
2: Quick note on Suckinson, I-, I got blown out by that thing. I didn't realize that the tokens were colorless, so I actually. It's like right away when it came out, I was playing against Ponza, and I was like, oh, I've got a uh, Sanctifier in back, like, it, they can't ever move this, and I went to attack them, and they were just, so and here's two colorless dudes, and I, I had to pitch a uh, Solitude so that they didn't just kill my <laughs> pro red thing, and it was like, well, that was <laughs> horrible.
0: That's actually kind of funny. And the the other card, uh, speaking of, of, you know, white cards that we sort of uh, overvalued, Lion Sash has been kind of a uh, dud, huh? We were super high on it when we were reading it, and I just feel like it's it's not been really pulling its weight.
1: I, I feel like it's been doing kind of what we expected it to do. Like it's popping up here and there as an option for Stoneforge decks, and I'm usually seeing it in decks that are playing Stoneforge. Um, we I I don't think we thought it was going to be like an insane thing. Just kind of a a nice a nice. Piece for those decks to have and I, I think it's done just that
2: yeah hammer plays it um that's you know that's the best deck with it probably that just just played as like a one of and it's pretty good against like the drc decks um i really liked it in taxes like having that in an aether Vial deck felt really good where it's just like play Stoneforge, forge and i can even violin in the thing it got which is it's pretty cool
0: um spe- speaking of hammer i feel like how how do we really feel about reality cheap? Because we said it was a lie, and it turns out that every single weekend, this past weekend, we had multiple co- uh, copies of hammer in the top eights of every single event, and all of the copies of the of uh, of hammer were splashing blue precisely for reality cheap. So, are we idiots?
1: Well, I've been, <laughs> are, been losing to it, but I've lucky? been losing to it because it's bugged on Magic Online. <laughs> uh it's supposed to be so like i i keep playing against hammer they have reality chip and then if if they equip it with cigar aid onto something and then you kill the thing that it is equipped to it doesn't then become a creature it just is an equipment so i keep not being able to kill it when i should be able to kill it so that's been annoying um, like it, when it falls off of the creature, it's, I, it, I, I am fairly sure it is supposed to become a, become a creature, even if it is equipped with Cigarta's aid. But that doesn't happen. So, I, they just have this, like, stupid reality chip that I can never kill. I mean, I can kill a prismatic, but I don't have a prismatic. I have a solitude sitting in my hand, and it's like, I guess I lose. Um, so when it's not killable, that card's really good. Um, but uh, when it when it is killable uh it's it's probably worse i don't know it just keeps being unkillable for me
2: i look hammer's good i don't think it really matters what color you splash in hammer they're just all good and i'm sure this is like a nice tool to have in the blue version yeah we've seen the most of that right now but i don't know that that means that that's like gonna be the de facto hammer build like i've seen a good amount of hammer experts be like oh this card's bad i've seen other ones like oh i'm gonna change my deck entirely and add like more zero drops and mistress bobble and stuff um i i think it's fine that that's where i'm at that's right what i thought before is what i think now
0: <laughs> i mean before we said this card is terrible like it, it wasn't even our top 10
2: i i was like hammer might play it as a one of, and you guys were like no so I'm 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 taking this victory. I'm 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 running a victory lap. All right. I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> Subtlety is still looming. Just so you know, <laughs> always, always will be. <laughs> how,
2: how how many how many wins do I have to get before you, you, you take that one off your list?
0: <laughs> never, never enough. Never enough. Um, okay, so the another interesting one is, uh, and Evan, you're you're gonna be the one that's going to to, to go off here. The Wandering Emperor, a card that we almost completely ignored, and we thought for good Rightfully. reason.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, but but we're actually seeing it in blue-white control decks uh, popping up here and there, and I think it's kind of interesting. So this is uh, two white-white for a three uh, three loyalty planeswalker, uh, which with which has flash. It has flash, and as long as uh, it enters the battlefield this turn, you may activate her loyalty abilities anytime you could cast an instant. So the turn that you flash it in, you can flash it in your opponent's end step, and you can activate one of the abilities um, on their end step. You plus one, you put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature, and it gains first strike until end of turn. You can minus one and create a two two white samurai creature token with vigilance, or you can minus two and exile target top creature and gain two life. Why are we seeing this card pop up now?
1: I don't know. We shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so bad. I I don't know. Some people are playing it. I think it's a bad four-mana removal spell with a little bit of upside. I played it a little bit. I did not have success with it. I I think this card's bad. I, I thought it was bad. I didn't even want to try it. I did try it. And I, my What I thought about it was correct <laughs> like it there's just so many good four mana planeswalkers to play you have so many options in like the four mana value slot it doesn't even have to be planeswalker just your, your four mana value thing and this one is just not better than any of the other options i i don't like it
0: yeah because like what i was thinking obviously is you know you spend four mana your opponent's sense that while holding counter magic they don't do anything they don't play into it you you just flash this this bad gal in and now all of a sudden you have an active planeswalker, walker. Uh, but like you could also just deluge under end step and you're, you're kind of in the same spot. <laughs> like,
1: better spot. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I just don't think it's, I, I don't think the card's good. But people are having some sc- success with it. it. Seeing it in one or two copies here and there. I think that could be any four mana card and it would be the same. Like it, it I don't know. If you like, if you like the card, play the card. I don't think it's very good though. I think there's better options.
0: If anything, it looks like a lot of fun.
1: So you Sure. I guess <laughs> if, if you
0: really value fun, this is the thing to do. Um, okay, so w- we got that one. Uh, also, uh, Colossus Sky Turtle, a car that we said uh, could see playing living in. Turns out it's seen playing living in, and apparently it's pretty good. So, uh, yay us there. One of the more interesting things that we can talk about uh, are a couple of cars that we completely missed. The first one of the of the the pile is Oni Cult Anvil, and this is a, a two mana artifact that costs a black and a red. And it says, if you give me a second, here we go. Uh, whenever one or more artifacts you control leave the battlefield during your turn, you create a one one colorless construct artifact creature token, and this ability triggers only once each turn. And then you can tap it to sacrifice an artifact. And then uh, these deals one damage to each opponent and you gain one life. So it's kind of like a self-contained engine. And the idea is you start in the deck where you're sacrificing other things, particularly when you can sacrifice tokens. Uh, this can kind of get out of hand uh, really quickly. So uh, we are seeing it in Lurus decks. Lurus playing uh, the whole the whole cat oven combo. You can you know sacrifice your food to get back your cat, and you get a free one one out of the deal, um, which can be pretty uh, just it's free right? Like <laughs> it can be pretty powerful to to do this kind of stuff. Uh, of course, uh, you can, you know, have multiples of this in play, and then obviously they trigger individually, so uh, you sacrifice one token, and then I, all of a sudden you have two tokens, and then you can start going wide uh, just by having this into play in play and just activating it. Um, you can also combo it with another card that we talked about that we were fairly high on, which was Experimental synthesizer. So you can uh, tap this to sacrifice the synthesizer. You get a one-one out of the deal, and then you uh, you you know you draw a card in the way that red draws cards, which you, you exile the card. That you can play it until end of turn. So uh, this card actually surprised me a lot. I, I I've been watching a Spike playing a deck playing um, four copies of this, and it was really impressive, uh, particularly alongside um, Disciple of the Vault, a card that we have not seen in years in fact the card a lot of people think it's banned uh because of the from the affinity days like i i had that come up so many times where people just think the disciple of the Bold is, is is banned uh but you just have this little 1-1 that just pings them every time you suck an artifact, but you're just getting free artifacts for free. You're sacrificing your artifacts anyway. So now all of a sudden you have a Disciple in play and your Cado and kind of combo now pings them for two. And you have two of them and now it pings them for three. It's like every single one of these uh, this loop uh, r- repeats just gets better and better and better The more of these cards that you have in play. Obviously, you are uh, a lures deck, so you have that going for you. And you can play stuff like shrapnel blast in order to just kill your opponent completely out of nowhere. So I've actually been kind of impressed with uh, with this card. Uh, the the life gain also it's kind of relevant as well. Like the fact that you can <clears throat> you can uh, help stabilize against um, decks like burn and, and stuff like that. So being uh, I wasn't expecting this card to see any play whatsoever. Like we didn't even talk about it in the podcast. Like and it was surprisingly uh it was surprisingly good like i was i was very impressed while while watching it
2: yeah it looks like a good spike deck um I ravenous squirrel in there is it looks phenomenal and mm. I, I really hadn't seen that card at all otherwise in modern and i'm like tuning into his stream and he's like got a seven seven a squirrel with a shadow spear and i'm like uh <laughs> they're dead <laughs> the game is over um so yeah i, I think that deck looks cool um a lot of like sack synergies that are maybe underexplored really cool yep
0: yeah. and uh, now i this is this is interesting okay so if you if you know who i am and you listen to the podcast do this podcast you, you probably know who i am and you know that i have uh, a love affair with elvish reclaimer you know that elvish reclaimer is my boy you know that it's my imitational card and uh, I got a donut to play this black green uh, rock deck, which obviously I called black green rock Lamer. Uh, obviously, it, it, it was it was over there. It was in front of my eyes, so I couldn't I couldn't miss it. And this deck, which was uh, piloted and tuned by a fellow content creator, which I was not aware of, called uh, Electric Bob. And what he's been doing is he's been playing two copies of Soul Transfer in the main deck and two copies of, of the card in the sideboard. And this card reads like garbage. <laughs> okay? This reads like absolute garbage. It's one black black for a sorcery and you choose one and then if you control an artifact and an enchantment as you cast the spell, you may choose both. And what you do is you can exile target creature or planeswalker or you can return target creature or planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand. So you're playing this in a deck with Elvis Reclaimer, and your your saga kind of enables this by itself. You're also playing not only a deck with four Elvis Reclaimers, but you're also playing four copies of Witherbloom Command. And you're just looping and bringing back your sagas. You're getting a value from it over and over again. And your Elvish deck as well. And this card is kind of nice, actually. Like I was expecting it to, it to be just terrible, but... You get into, like, the mid or late-game, and you're spending three mana to kill a Murtite Regent and get back a Tarmogoy from the graveyard. <laughs> and it feels kind of good. It's Sp-
1: <laughs> like, the, v- the listeners cannot see this. <laughs> but you're like, this card seems terrible, Spider and I just nodding. Yup, yup. It <laughs> <laughs> sure does. <laughs>
0: But, but you guys don't get it like it's basically called against command
1: <laughs> yeah, i think we i think we might be missing something
0: <laughs> no no for real for real like i was actually impressed by the card yeah. and obviously i think four copies is way too many but the times that i had it in my hand i was not upset to see it like it, it just did exactly what i wanted it to do and a couple of times i actually got you know you're tutoring for Ursa saga with reclaimer you're getting it back with uh with um Twitter Bloom command naturally your Saga gets you an artifact uh, it guy actually gets you multiple artifacts so it's actually surprisingly easy to to get the clause uh, value from from the clause of uh, allowing you to do both things it, it was much much better than I was expecting like I, I thought that it was gonna be you know unplayable but it turns out that it's actually quite solid in that specific archetype. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's 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 insane, uh, but this archetype feels kind of non-existent. Besides, um, you know, Electro Pop, who's the the player that has been playing it. The league that I played, I went four and one, and my only loss was to my stream crashing, and then I was not able to to run back Magic Online back back again. Like I had to uninstall everything and like reinstall. Um, so I I obviously timed out and. It actually felt really, really surprising. Obviously I was playing it because of the of the, I basically got there for the Elvis Reclaimer, I stayed for the soul transfer, if if you, if you get what I'm what I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> Isn't you, you're saying this deck like this archetype is underexplored, it, it reminds me a lot of Jun Saga. Like it, do do you not think that's a fair comparison?
0: So it's it's kinda of different. Like instead of obviously you're playing much better mana than Jun Saga. Jun Saga's mana is just heinous. Like it's so so bad. And you're playing less good one-drops, I guess, because you don't have as many. Like, Reclaimer is a fantastic one-drop, but John Saga has eight of them in four Monkey and four uh, DRC. And you here you only have the four, like the four Elvish Reclaimers, which are like the, the banger that you want to play on turn one, basically. So you're kind of missing out on that, but you're gaining on the fact that you get to run Dothi Voidwalker, which is just an absolute banger against... Uh, what are otherwise terrible matches for like John Saga has a terrible matchup against big mana void Walker into thoughtsies is just a win straight up against all of the big mana decks. Like you just thought it's their prime time and then you cast it. You're insanely far ahead or like you thought the car liberated. And like, obviously you just win on the spot. So, um, those kind of, uh, that interaction is absolutely amazing, obviously. And then you're given up on Renan six, but you're getting witherbloom command and, well Command is not that much worse than Ren6. Uh, I, I was actually very surprised by it. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm 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 speaking hyperbole here, but as far as what you're doing, like <laughs> you're actually getting a similar effect to Ren, but you're getting that with a tempo advantage, if that makes sense. Like, it's better right now than Ren, but it's obviously not as good as Ren. Like Ren is just fantastic the more that the more turns that like, go by. But you're basically getting the Ren ping and the land on the same turn, right? As opposed to having to choose one of them. Then if the Ren survives, you get the other one. Um, and obviously, the, the mini abrupt Decay uh, aspect of it is also incredible. I In, in the league that I played, I destroyed Colossus Summers, Sigarda the Save, Aether Vile. And I feel like there was another thing that I, I was like... Oh, I, I'm a little bigger, obviously. Um, so you were... The the mini Arab Decay is pretty relevant, the minus three minus one effect kills a lot of the threats that you want to kill in like Monkey, DRC before it gets Delirium, Esper, Sentinel, like you're killing a bunch of uh, different things, and almost enables your stuff as well, because it mills you for three, so I was able to, you know, I didn't have anything in my graveyard, I was going to miss my land drop. And now all of a sudden I'm, I just targeted myself and I would like cross my fingers and see if I find that on the top three. I did. And then I hit my lander and I won, you know, be, because of it. And like ren and six in that situation would have just done nothing. Right. So you are. It's not as far as you would think. It's not as far as you would think. Uh, let's say that I was very impressed and, and I'm not very easily impressed. <laughs> So um, I'm I'm pretty high on that deck. I think it's very very cool. I think it's extremely underplayed. Like I don't I have not really seen anybody playing it before. Uh, uh, b- besides Electric Bob, I mean. And I was I was out grinding the decks that I think were supposed to like, out me. Like I was playing against um, Gricks the Shadow, for example, and I just very very easily kind of went through the (laughs) through the whole match and it was not particularly close uh just hosts them and like you have reclaimer becomes a three four and like if you're able to keep their graveyard in check like they literally cannot kill it Um, it's been it it was actually very very impressive i was i was impressed by the deck and i will i will definitely be exploring it uh, further in the in the near future Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Modern feels uh, feels very good right now. Obviously, by the way, one thing that I forgot about that deck is that you actually get to play both Boseju and uh, the the Black Channel Land, and the Black Channel Land is also kind of nice. Again, like it mills you, so it enables itself, and then you're also uh, getting back your your Lures whenever it dies, and, or you're getting back your your Reclaimer or your Tarmgolf. Um So kind of uh, kind of uh, I- impressive, honestly. How everything sort of work together in, in, in a pretty effortless way. All right. Um, we talked about all the cars that we wanted to talk about. Uh, is there anything else that you guys wanted to, to share or to, to discuss? Not really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I'm having a good time with Modern. You know, it's fun. It's still fun. I, I feel like every time I hop into a league, I'm, the format's constantly evolving still and it just feels like it's in a, a super solid place. There's so
2: much going on right now it i i I i'm having a hard time like figuring out how to metagame and you know um which is kind of exciting but it's also like kind of frustrating where you're like oh i'm gonna build some sweet deck that's good against you know maybe i'm trying to beat hammer and gds and then you lose to something like i i know i i was messing around with like a ring delight valky deck last night and then i got goblin grenaded (sighs) dead and i was like oh all right like this is, uh, you know, we're back to the Wild West days of modern. I know everyone's oh, MH2 cards, MH2 cards. But um, particularly in leagues, it, it just feels like you can see anything. You have no idea what it's going to be. Just cross your fingers and hope you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the ride.
0: One thing that's been interesting, too, is like, sure, MH2 cards, right? But I feel like all of these different decks just use MH2 cards so wildly different, right? Maybe you are getting paired against Ursa Saga back-to-back rounds, but round number one was against Amulet, and round number two was against Affinity. And both decks are going to take advantage of the Saga, wildly different. Um, the 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 play patterns are going to be so much different in both matches uh, that you are looking at the same card, but it, in my opinion, doesn't really feel like you're playing against the same card, right? So that's that has been has, has been feeling pretty refreshing and then of course you know if your opponent gets you with with cat oven and shrapnel blast can you really be upset like let's be
2: real here <laughs> no I was I mean I was happy to be goblin grenaded dead it was like yeah fucking kill me with a goblin grenade <laughs> if I'm
0: gonna die it better be <laughs> with a goblin grenade uh yeah it's been it's been a wild ride. I've not been playing as much as I as I wish I could, uh, but everything, every single league that I've played has been just an absolute blast, uh, having a good time. Also, Amulet is back to being good now, so that's that's been that's been great for me as well and for my win percentage. So it feels feels refreshing. Uh, I've been getting got by prowess lately. In <laughs> I played a league the other day with Amulet. And I just what? got back to back destroyed by prowess, and I'm just like, wait. Are we back to like 2016 or something? Like what what happened here? Uh, but I, I'm happy to see that it was just a flash in the pan. I, I just got unlucky because I haven't really seen that much prowess beside it. Beside it, but it's been it's been a good time. It's been a really really good time. I've been, really enjoyed uh, the format. Uh, the games are fun which is, 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 is cool. It's really, really cool. I feel like decisions matter, you know, which card you, which a card you bottom and your multi-six feels like it matters a lot. Like how you sequence your spells also matters a lot. And uh, that's, that's exactly what you should be asking for, for the format, I feel like, you know, just what else can you ask for than a modern format that's skill intensive and that has fun and, and interactive games? I don't know, like, I guess you do get paired against Belcher every now and then, and that's maybe not so interesting. But besides those those exceptions, I feel like the format is in a fantastic place. Agree. All right, well, let's wrap this one up. Where can we find you folks on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Everos, and then EverosTTV on Twitter.
0: Streaming Elden Ring.
1: Yep. I will probably be playing Elden Ring. <laughs> I will be on Twitch, but there's a good chance I'm playing Elden Ring and not Magic. Fair warning. Well,
2: if you want to find some Magic content on Twitch, I've actually mm. been on there some more. So look for Spider Space on Twitch, uh, Spider Space MTG on Twitter.
0: All right, and I, I've also been streaming uh, a lot more recently, which has been pretty cool. Uh, but in any case, like the, the the YouTube videos are still rolling, anyways. But you can find me on Twitch at f That's f p a w l u s z, and you can find me on Twitter, uh, Patreon, and YouTube at f MTG. This has been Mistress Bubble. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you in the next.